You are listening to a message from City Church of Richmond, located in Richmond, Virginia. We are a broken people, loved by God, continually restored by Christ, and sent out to worship God, serve our city, and work for its renewal. To learn more about City Church and to find out how to get connected to our community, visit our website at citychurchrva.com. That's C-I-T-Y-C-H-U-R-C-H-R-V-A.com. And thanks for listening. It's great to see all of you here at City Church this afternoon. My name is Eric Bonkowski. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. When I was in high school, especially later in high school, probably junior and senior year, about once or twice a year, I would head into Boston on Sunday mornings and go to an Episcopal church for the experience of a, of a high Episcopal church service. Uh, I had an uh, older friend who took me with him, and it was the first time when I went to this church service that I, I really became aware of how we use our bodies differently in worship. It was, it was kind of a, a confusing experience for me at first, and for those of you who haven't been to kind of a high liturgy church before, um, I, I walked in, and at first it was this, this cavernous stone cathedral, a gorgeous building with stained glass, not unlike this space, and um, the people there were, were all dressed up, more dressed up than I was, and they, they were um, standing up and sitting down in unison. They all knew what to do. They were juggling like a hymn book and a prayer book, and I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing. I was sitting when I was supposed to be standing. I was standing when I was supposed to be sitting, and, and, and then it all sort of came to this crescendo when they brought out the, the Bible that they were going to read from, and they would parade the Bible down the, the center aisle and all the, the, the priests or the other people working in the, in the service were um, in these long vestments, these robes, and, and one would carry the Bible lifted high like this and someone walked before them with, a, with um, this smoking censer that was giving off like um, uh, scents, like uh, essential oils or whatever you call it, like smoke. And, and so the, it was like this multi-sensory experience. And I'm sure like the Episcopalians in the room are like, uh, uh, are, are appalled that I'm not doing it justice. But, but uh, you know, this, um, th- this high school kid was just overwhelmed at all the ways that um, our bodies were being engaged in worship. And maybe part of it for me, too, was that my body was engaged after worship because my friend would take me out to a a restaurant um, for food. But it changed Sunday mornings. It was a completely different experience of church and of Christian worship for me. And I was thinking about that this week. Because what I want to talk with you all about is how our worship is embodied. Um, Maybe you have never thought about that. Maybe it's, you've never been aware of the ways that we all use our bodies when we come to worship God, but that's what I want to talk about today. We're in sort of this mini-series of three sermons on the topic of worship. Last week, Harrison talked about the means of grace, and today I want to talk about how our worship is embodied. And in order to do that, I want to read some scripture with you. I'm going to read from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, and I'd encourage you, if you have a Bible, open it. Hold it in your hands. Use your body and your eyes to uh, read these words as I read them aloud. Uh, The words are also printed in the worship guide. You can follow along there um, if you'd like. Let's give our attention to this God's word for us. Here's what it says. 
I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For the, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Father, we know you're present in this space by your spirit. We've sensed the Spirit among us, even as we've read Scripture and sung songs and confessed our faith. We ask now that your Spirit would come and indwell our bodies to make this, your Word, living and active within us and applied into our lives so that you would send us out in our bodies to shine as lights in the midst of a dark world, a twisted generation. Father, we pray that as we consider your Word today, we would encounter the incarnate Christ, now risen and reigning in heaven with you. We pray this all in his name. Amen. So mostly today I want to teach you a few things that this passage reveals to us about how our worship is embodied. And the first thing is that embodied worship is responsive. It's responsive. Embodied worship is responsive specifically to God's grace. All of our worship is a response to God's grace, and we pattern that in our worship service here. So we begin with a call to worship, and often our liturgist will say that this is a response to God's call. He is calling us into worship, and so all of what we do in this space is a response to God. Then at the end of our service, after we take the Lord's Supper, we uh, recite together a response to God's grace. That's kind of on the nose, right? It shows how our worship is a response to God's prior initiation with us. We see that too in this passage here in uh, Romans 12. It says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of of God. Present your bodies, right? So this command, the instruction to present our bodies in worship follows something. There's the therefore in verse 1, and it says, therefore, in light of the mercies of God, what Paul is doing in this verse is he's kind of reflecting back on the prior 11 chapters, which I didn't read for you today. But the prior 11 chapters of Romans are an explanation of the gospel of God's grace to us in Jesus Christ. And then, as a response, Paul says, you are to present your bodies in worship. You see, embodied worship is a response, first of all, to God's grace. 
And more specifically, here in Romans 12, Paul is telling us that the response is the response like that of the priests in the Old Testament. It's a priestly response. There are a number of words in these opening verses that indicate that this is kind of a priestly function. It talks about a sacrifice. It talks about presenting. It talks about being pure and acceptable and good. And all of these things are allusions to the Old Testament priests. You came in here this afternoon, and you sat down, and then Peyton got up, and she read this strange passage from Leviticus 6, and you're like, what in the world is going on? I wanted to give you a taste of the priestly instructions in the Old Testament, and the care that God gave to his people of how they were to worship, changing their garments, and being very thoughtful about what their bodies were doing in relation to the sacrifices that were placed on the altar. Because Paul is picking up those very themes here in Romans 12. And he's saying, you, as you respond to God's grace, present your bodies as priests in the world. We all now, through our worship of God, are acting as priests, leading in worship. We, we also recited this um, confession of faith together. And I, I just want to point out that it has the same idea baked into it. Worship as response to God's grace. It says, because we belong, body and soul, both in life and death, to Jesus, I am not my own. Right? Because of the work that he has done, we respond to that in worship. We become willing and ready from now on to live for him, the confession says. That's this same idea. Responding to God's grace, we present our bodies to God in worship. There are two ways that this applies. One is broadly in all of life. All of life is worship. Wherever you go, you go in your body worshiping God as a response to his grace. The Bible uses the metaphor of walking to describe this. Walk in the light. Walk as a follower of Jesus Christ. That is the broad sense of how we respond. The more narrow sense, and the, the sense that I'm going to focus on for the rest of our time this afternoon, is what we do when we gather for worship, specifically on Sundays. That's the narrow response, how we present our bodies to God here in the worship service. So the, the second point I want to make, after saying that embodied worship is responsive, secondly, embodied worship is inescapable. Sometimes we say here at City Church that everyone worships, whether they're a Christian or not. Everyone's worshiping someone. And I want to add to that in saying everyone worships with their body. And, and this idea that, that uh, embodied worship is inescapable isn't all that controversial. It just flows out of the theology that the Bible teaches, that we are created with bodies. Soul, spirit, mind, and body, all together. So embodied worship becomes inescapable for us. And the reason I point this out, I think it's important, is because there are some philosophies out there, there's some religions out there that say that the, the, the higher level of understanding, the higher level of spiritual insight is an escape from the body. That the body is evil, that the body holds us down, and so to truly worship, we need to escape from our bodies. That is not a Christian idea. What the Bible teaches consistently is that we, we only worship with our bodies. It's inescapable for all of us. 
So here's a, a quick question for you. I want you to ponder this. What part of your body do you use in worship? It's a trick question, right? Every part of your body is engaged in worship. But as I let the, the silence hang in the air for just a couple of seconds, what did you, how did you answer that question? I would imagine that most of us said, well, I worship with my mind. I worship with my brain. Maybe some of you said, well, I worship with my emotions, the emotional part of my body, my mind and my heart. What I want you to understand is that all of our bodies, every part of our bodies is brought in to worship. It's our hands, it's our feet, it's our tongues, it's our mouths, it's our lungs, it's our eyes, it's our ears. Everything is involved in worship. And the Bible makes this explicit in a number of places. If you read through the Psalms, for instance, which are really, uh, uh, it's a book of prayers or a book of songs. It's a book all about worship. And you'll, you'll see phrases like, clap your hands, embodied worship. You'll read phrases uh, like, shout with your lips. Right? All these bodily references. Why? Because embodied worship is inescapable. You get into the New Testament, it's the same idea. We are given pictures of worship where people are beating their chests in repentance, in contrition before God. We uh, read other places where we're instructed to raise our hands, lift up your hands in prayer for all the people. Embodied worship is inescapable. Everybody worships, and everybody worships with their body. This point was uh, brought home to me recently. Um, Sarah and I have started watching a new show. We've started watching... Um, it's a, it's a show on YouTube called Hot Ones. Has anyone watched this? This is, um, it's, it's an interview show, and it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic premise. I wish I had come up with this. Basically, they lay out 10 hot wings in front of a guest, and, um, and then they eat the hot wings, and it's like question and answer while they're eating the hot wings. And the hot wings, of course, they start like relatively mild, and then they go up in, in heat and intensity as the interview's going on. And so it, it, it kind of proves this exact point, right? That every interview is an embodied interview. And as these people are eating hotter and hotter hot wings, they like are losing control of themselves. But it has this great uh, impact on the quality of the interview as well. It's showing this inescapable link between our minds, our hearts, and our bodies. So Hot Ones in general is a great illustration of this point, but there's one particular episode that drove this point home so well, and it was the episode with John Mayer, the, the um, musician and guitarist. And the question was posed to John Mayer, it was, why, so why when you're playing? Like he's this virtuoso guitarist, right? And, and the, the question was posed, why is it when you're playing that you make guitar face? And John Mayer's answer was great. He's, he basically said, I, I can't control it. It just happens. It's part of the music. It's part of the act of playing the guitar that my face just makes that. You see, the body is inescapable when it comes to worship. And I would say that, that music is one of the, the, the closest secular analogs that we have to a worship service. There's something about music, because it is so precisely embodied, 
that it's very close to what we're doing in Christian worship. Embodied worship is inescapable. Embodied worship is responsive. The third thing I want you to know and understand about embodied worship is that embodied worship is formative. In other words, how you worship in your body necessarily forms you. Again, this is an idea that's present here in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. It uses this language, right? It says in verse 2, do not be conformed, hear that root word, to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And the focus there, Paul's focus is on the renewal of your mind, but we know from the prior verse that it also involves the presentation of all of your body. So there's this transformation that's happening through worship that involves our mind and involves our body. Embodied worship is formative. This is so important because worship, when you come here on Sundays, it's not just about information. You are not just a brain on a stick interacting with other brains on a stick. You don't come here just for a content download as though this is a a podcast that you could listen to and maybe that you wish you could speed up to like 1.5 or something like that, right? The point here is that embodied worship is formative. Worship is formational. It's affecting your body, your mind, and your spirit all at once. And it's doing that for good or for bad. Really, all of life is doing this for good or for bad. And so good worship, what we try to do here at City Church, is meant to to be reformative to cut against some of the things in your life, some of the practices, some of the habits, some of the constructs in all of our lives that are malformative. Because we go about our lives and we're doing all of these bodily things and a lot of times we're not aware of the effect that they're having on us. Mind and spirit embodied. So, embodied worship is formational. It's trying to form us into... uh, Christ followers, into true humans, into what we were created and now have been recreated in order to be. So the point here is that how you worship bodily when you come here on Sundays is making a difference in your life. It's forming you. Hopefully, it's leading you to good and true formation. And this, by the way, is one of the reasons that COVID three years ago was so hard, especially for many of us who are pastors and we think about this dimension of worship being formative, because for three months, we couldn't meet together. And then we had to deal with all these difficulties of the the limitations and constraints and, and, and safety concerns around our embodiment with one another. But the Bible's teaching us, Jesus is demonstrating for us that uh, embodied worship is formational. What do we do in the absence of that? There are all these little things that we do that end up having a really big effect on all of us. And so I put at the top of the worship guide today this great quote from um, a, a philosopher named Jamie Smith. And I want to read it for you because it captures this idea of embodied worship being formational. Here's what it says. What appear to be micro practices have macro effects. What might appear to be inconsequential micro habits are in fact disciplinary formations that begin to reconfigure our relation to the wider world 
Indeed, they begin to make that world. These micro practices, what you do with your body every Sunday afternoon when you come here, we believe that reshapes you and over time it reshapes the very world. That's a pretty big statement. Could it be that you are remade every Sunday when you walk forward here with your hands open to receive a token, an embodied token of God's grace to you? I believe absolutely you are remade by that. And you would be a different person if you didn't do that every week. I believe that you are remade every Sunday when you come in here and whether you sing out loud or not, you hear the voices of the saints singing words that are true. That embodied worship is forming you so that when you leave, you're a different person. I believe that when you come in here, and I know that 50% of you, your least favorite part of a worship service at City Church is the greeting time. You hate it. Many of you have told me that. You know what? It is forming you. It is causing you to relate to people who are your brothers and sisters in Christ. That if it were up to you, you wouldn't even look at them. If you don't believe that micro practices form you over the long haul, I want you to think about your iPhone. That, that's the greatest example we have of the way that micro practices have reshaped us in the world. I've talked about before that I, uh, I developed this involuntary reaction that anytime I'm walking upstairs, I take my phone out of my pocket and I look at it. I did not do that before I had an iPhone. I can read an email, I can check a website, I can check text messages, or I could just walk up the stairs, right? And, and multiply that across all the situations of every day where we have this reflex now, this embodied reflex to pull out our phone and scroll. And what are all the things that that keeps you from doing? Conversation, eye contact, attention to another person, awareness of another person micro practices in the long haul have a formative effect on us, not just our bodies, but our souls. You know, what the iPhone over time, using that, how it trains you, is to relate to other people as though they are an audience. Christian worship and its micro practices and that awful greeting time that we have every Sunday, it is reforming you to see other people not as an audience, but as a neighbor, as an image bearer. Friends, embodied worship is formational. That you receive grace here, and then at the end of the service, you are sent out to be bearers of that grace to a world in need. Embodied worship is responsive. Embodied worship is inescapable. Embodied worship is formative. And lastly, embodied worship is varied. We worship together, but we worship differently. Our embodied worship takes different shape, and that's okay. In fact, we're told it will be that way. Listen again to verse 4. It says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ. 
And then in verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. Embodied worship, in other words, demonstrates that you and I are each different, created by a wildly creative creator God who has not made us all the same. He's given us different gifts, different abilities, different experiences in the world, and that is a great gift to the overall body of Christ. I think too often we see our differences as a defeater rather than a sign of God's grace in our lives. We spend most of our time looking at the gifts of others and saying, why don't I have that gift? Rather than understanding how God has made us in bringing that to bear on the whole body of Christ. We think in our heads, well, gosh, I can't sing the way Tori can. I can't play music the way that Adam can. Instead of thinking about how has God uniquely made me and gifted me to be a blessing to the people around me in my church, in my community on a Sunday afternoon, I want you to begin to think about what are your gifts? How have you been shaped by your experiences in a way that would be a blessing to this people in this time? And specifically, how would those manifest through embodied worship? You know, th there are some of you who I know have grown up in different faith traditions than the PCA, or, or even we could go more narrowly and talk about the specific way that manifests at City Church. And what happens is you come in here and you take a look around and you say, well, I can't do that. I can't clap at City Church. I can't close my eyes in worship. I can't raise my hands. When you make that conclusion, you are uh, living against the diversity of how God has gifted his church. And so I want to give all of you permission today. Here I am in the pulpit, right, as the pastor of this church, giving you permission in freedom to worship the way that God in his spirit is leading you to worship. We need to hear this message. You know, in the history of the church, uh, issues like this, questions like this have come up uh, time and time again. People have debated them. And, and theologians have a word for this. They call it adiaphora. That's just a fancy Greek word that means indifferent. There are a lot of these questions about worship that there isn't a hard and fast rule. You should do what the Spirit is leading you to do with your body. And you should trust that that is going to be good and edifying for others who are here. There are people here who would love to close their eyes and raise their hands in worship, but they haven't, uh, they've looked around, they haven't seen anyone else doing it, and they, so they've concluded, oh, I can't do that. There are people here who would want to clap or sway in worship. There are people here who would want to kneel during the confession of sin, but they have said, oh, I can't do that. You can do that. Because our embodied worship is varied. It's part of God's varied grace to all of us. So we all need to hear, and we all need to take care not to codify our own personal preferences when it comes to this. When I was in college, I worked for one summer with the, um, the landscape crew. 
at my college. And um, one of the guys who, who worked there uh, went to an Assemblies of God church somewhere in New Jersey. And I went with him one Sunday. We, we got to talking about faith. He found out I was a Christian. And we, we kind of hit it off. And he said, I want you to come to church with me. And I went to church with him. And I'd never been to sort of a charismatic, Pentecostal-leaning church. And that experience, there were a lot of things going on in the service. And they didn't really hit for me. It's like, okay, I'm not feeling it. But I was so glad that I went and saw the way that the Spirit of God had gifted other people to worship. It has enriched my own experience of worship. So I want you to think about variation as an opportunity, not as a defeater. Embodied worship is varied, even in the one people of God. So let me end with two application points. I hope that you have uh, had other application points throughout this message, but there, there are two things in particular that I want us to take away. The first is I want you to be aware of your body in worship. That every time you come in here, you come in with your body, as your body. You're not just coming in here as a mind or as a spirit or as your emotions. So what you do with your body matters. So for instance, where you sit in the sanctuary, where your body is in the sanctuary, will change your experience of worship. I talked about this a few months ago, and I encouraged many of you to sort of uh, vary where you sit in the service. And I want to say, first of all, thank you to so many of you who have taken that to heart. And you've done that. You've practiced that. I think it enriches our worship service because you're sitting in different places. You hear different people. You're closer to the music. You're further away from the music. Pay attention to your body in worship. You know, in seminary, I was, I was back row guy in seminary. I did not want to be close to the professors. But in worship, I don't want to be in the back row. Because in the back row, I can't hear as many of you singing the songs and the truths that I need to hear every Sunday. Now think about uh, what your, where your body is and what your body is doing. The, the, the second thing related to that, the awareness of your body, is... Um, not just where physically you are in the sanctuary, but what your body is doing, right? So, so we have a Peloton, and sometimes I ride a Peloton, right? And uh, some, some of the instructors for the Peloton, in the midst of the workout, they say, smile. And you're like, shut up. Don't tell me to smile right now, right? But if you do it, it changes your experience in that workout because there's something about a smile that changes your whole uh, outlook and being, and, it, and it has, it's a bodily uh, um, action that changes you internally. Smile when you come to worship. And even more than that, I've shared this um, illustration before, um, but what you do with your body in worship, be aware of it, right? Think about the person who comes in 15 minutes late which is kind of on time at City Church, but say they come in, say they come in 20 minutes late, right? Do dozens of heads turn around and look at that person kind of with a little bit of judgment? Why didn't you get your act together? And contrast that reaction from the reaction at an AA meeting when someone comes in late, where they start clapping and they say, we're so glad you made it. We're so glad you made it, right? That is a bodily response that has a profound impact on us and on other people. Be aware of your body in worship. Here's the second application. 
It's simply that I want you to try something new with your body in worship. You don't have to do it forever. But embodied worship is formative. If you're a person who has never clapped in worship, maybe today is your day. The final song today, it's a clappable song. I'm just going to go, okay? Or, if you're a person who said, you know what, I don't think I would ever raise a hand. Take my hands out of my pockets when I'm singing. Maybe today you take your hands out of your pockets. You know, a lot of you are the, the people who, like, socially, when you go to a party, you go to an event, you get super awkward, and you're like, I don't know, do, what do I do with my hands? You know, right? Somebody give me a drink so I have something to do with my hands. That's more proof of this very point, right? That what we do with our bodies has an effect on us, and it has an effect on other people. Why is it that when, at least when men meet each other, they shake hands or they fist bump? Because something happens through that embodied action. It's not empty. It's sealing a relationship. It's removing anxiety. So it is when we practice um, embodied worship. That's my encouragement to you. Be aware of your body and try something new with your body in worship. As you do that, you may just find out that you are transformed more and more into a living sacrifice following in the example of Christ, the one who was made incarnate, who gave his very life as a living sacrifice on the cross for you and for me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these words in Romans and for the ways that they teach us about our bodies and about worshiping you. I pray that you would make each of us individually um, more aware of embodied worship and that together, as the body of Christ here at City Church, we would more fully um, embody and live out the varied graces that you have given to each of us. We pray that you would do that for our good and for the glory of your name. Amen.